Well, what a documentary, what a career. Spielberg might be the best director of all time. That was fucking amazing. Yeah, that was kind of mid. Um, here's the thing. Okay. They didn't mention Hook once. Hook? Who gives a fuck about Hook? He made Jaws, what? Jurassic Park 18. Uh, what, Robin Williams? Oh. Dustin Hoffman? Dude, they had Dustin Hoffman interviewed in the doc, and he didn't mention Hook not once. Because it's a piece of shit. No, it's not. What are you talking about? They didn't even show a clip of Hook. It's real great directed, what, 58, 60 films? You missed the whole point. No, I don't think I did. You know what? Audience, look at the camera. Watch Hook, all right? If there's one film to watch, it's that one, all right? I just, I, I, I do not like this Hook slander. It's bullshit. God damn it. Welcome back to Real Talk Podcast, episode 89. Damn. I'm your host, Nathan, and I'm joined by the man himself, Matthew Nevis, to my left. Ooh. And today we're going to be talking about one of the greatest directors of all time, Steven Spielberg. Hell yeah. Uh, we're going to be discussing his career, his filmography, and uh, our general thoughts on on the legendary Steven Spielberg. He's uh he's a director that everyone knows. Everyone knows. Yeah, I the king of the blockbuster, I'd say. I mean, he he basically used that term cuz I remember like when I was like I want to be a filmmaker. He's like, "What? You going to be the next Spielberg? Right. You going to be the that's, next That's the yeah. That's like the headline article for like newcoming directors now is people still use that. He's like, "Oh, he's going to be the next Spielberg. He's going to be the next Kubrick. He's going to mm-hmm. It's like, "Damn, like that's how much of a fucking staple Steven Spielberg has it made yeah, within and, film. And yeah, not only just made, I mean, continues to make, like yeah. he's, he's still making great films. Great films that have made tons of money. Yes. Um, it's, it's crazy to think of it that way, but like, I don't think Spielberg has ever made like a complete dud to the point where he hasn't been able to make a film for years. Yeah, which is hard. It's so hard. I mean, some of the biggest directors in the world have like had their... They're dark times, right? A lot of directors in his uh, age. His class, yeah, exactly. You're like right. how many De Palma films have you seen in the past 10 years, right? Yeah. It, it sucks, but it's true. And I think, um, not, to go, not to go too off topic, but Nathan, you told me to watch a specific documentary. Oh, yeah. Spielberg. So the, I, I decided to watch it. and The HBO Spielberg doc. Yeah. yeah. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. I think it's it's very much a documentary. Yeah, it's long as fuck. It's long, and I understand why it covers all. It, it covers Spielberg's career, yeah. which is basically fifty years of his film career. Yeah, and for guy, for guys like you and me, like we eat that shit up. But like, uh, would I recommend that doc to like the casual who like likes Jurassic Park and wants to watch a documentary yeah. about Spielberg? No, it's too long. It's too long. It's too long. But uh, for for a guy like me to sit there and just watch like. You know his mindset going into some of his most iconic movies, mm-hmm. and and to hear stories about the productions of all of them and where he was in his career is very cool. Yeah, could have been cut down a bit, but the things I do enjoy that they do cover is his personal life and how it reflected within his films. Yes, his family life wasn't great, it no. wasn't amazing, and he wanted to showcase that in the films, being like, yeah, there is a sense of like, not everyone's family has parents who are like they're divorced. There's a sense of like feeling abandoned, feeling lonely and stuff. And Spielberg wanted to illustrate that in his earlier films, um, which he does very well in a very subtle way. He even talks about it. He's just like, yeah, the film Duel. Yeah, sure. It's about like um, 
a truck basically taking hunting down a guy in a car mm-hmm. and it's like oh that's a silly premise but when you actually look at like he reflected on how he was bullied as a kid it's like okay that actually right you know in terms of visuals that's a very clever thing and um hearing other directors talk about him is also funny too like I always liked when Lucas was like, "Yeah, I saw his short film Ambler," and I was like, "Okay, it's whatever." That's a good Lucas. <laughs> and then I and then I saw and then I saw um, <laughs> then I saw Duel, and I was like, "Francis, you gotta watch this film. <laughs> it's amazing. This guy's got something." Um, yeah, I love the part in the doc where he's like talking about how he had Indiana Jones, and he just like throws it at him. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Well, it's crazy because like it was when he directed 1941. Spielberg was like, I wanted to do a comedy because I was like, I love comedies. Yeah, and then when I did it, everyone hated it. Yeah, and, and up was, until that time, his career is only his trajectory yeah. is only like this. Every film hits. Every film makes money. Every film's good. Yeah, and then so when he has his first dud, it's like shit. What do I do next? And that's when Lucas was like, Let's 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 do Raiders. He's like, okay, let's, let's do Raiders. But it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, but you have to be on budget. All right. I, I've yeah. known how you work Spielberg. You've always been on uh, over budget. You were over budget with Jaws. You were over budget with 1940. You, you yeah. cannot do it. Was it was really cool to hear Lucas say like he shopped it around yeah. and studios didn't want to make it with Spielberg yeah. considering the hits that he had, mm-hmm. but it was, it was just a, a budget thing. And some studios even went as far as to say, we'll make this film, but not as Spielberg as a director, which is insane. It's insane, but also, like, I guess looking at the climate at the time, because Kubrick had a similar thing where people were like, yeah, Kubrick's good, but, like, motherfucker shoots for, like, two years, man. I don't know. Yeah. We don't have that kind of money on us, man. I mean, like, they're looking at their pockets. I was like, I don't. But, um, no, it it did pay off, though. Um, Spielberg, like many of the directors talked about, was, like, he was so passionate with his work that it just so happened that what he was passionate about, the audience was too. Hence why his films made millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. It wasn't like De Palma where he was inspired by Hitchcock and people didn't really, they didn't make as much money. Mm -hmm. Versus Spielberg's like, okay, let me take something as personal as love, family, relationships like that and connecting with people and make E.T., yeah, he knows how to deal with these like universal themes. Yeah. And which is why he's the king of blockbusters because his movies appeal to so many people, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that he doesn't have range because he yeah. does. He has a ton of range in his career. I yeah. mean, I look here at his IMDb credits, directing credits alone, he's got 58. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. 58 films. 58 films. Let's be honest, Nathan. Do you see like. Not to go too, too much into it, but, like, what are the chances of, like, making 58 films directing, man? Like, that's so much. That's... Kubrick, that's, what Kubrick. Cr- what, how many did what Kubrick career. make? 10? Yeah, like, that's... 10 or 11? Yeah. It's and, hard. And even guys like, like you know, T- Tarantino, they only want to make 10. Like, that's the yeah. average of a good director. Like, if a director has 10 good films, that's, like, amazing accomplishment. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You put a lot of energy and a lot of sweat and tears into these films. And it's just like, you know, how did I, how do, how do I make 58 of these? And it's out of, out of the 58, I would say like the ones that are good, like it's a good ratio. Yes. 100%. Yeah. There's, there's uh, personal ones in between, mm-hmm. but there's always, if you want to look at Spielberg's careers uh, by decades, there's always good ones in every single decade. Yeah, I, I do agree on that. Um, I'm just thinking of like, the, the doc covers a lot and 
I wish it covered more on specific things versus others. Like the one thing I wish they fleshed out a little bit more is the critics versus Spielberg during early to mid eighties when they were like, Oh, he's getting a little too sentimental. Uh-huh. I, we, the, there, and there comes off of a sense of pretentiousness when a critic says that, where it's just like, why, why is it always a happy ending? Why is it always this and that? And Spielberg's like, well, cause like I want to do that. And I guess there was a point where Spielberg was criticized for not being a serious filmmaker. Yeah. I think that was just a reflection of what his peers were making in the time. right? Yeah. Like, I guess compared to Coppola and Scorsese. Yeah, so his peers are making the best gangster films of all time. Yeah. And yeah, Spielberg is is still making classic films, but he's making films like E.T. He's making films like Indiana Jones. And there are these different kind of blockbusters with a more wide appeal. Yeah, which is why it transitioned pretty well with the movie The Color Purple that he directed, which is a, I, I would say is a very distinct time for Spielberg because it was basically mm-hmm. him 85. trying to figure out his serious tone yeah versus what he wanted to do and he even says in the doc he's like if i made that 10 years later i would have done a lot of things differently Mm -hmm. and i guess it was the sense of not trying to be oscar baity but trying to understand the material and not going for that happy ending and i think he i think people criticized him with uh empire of the sun as well given the subject matter of both stories i've actually seen empire of the sun it's really cool to see fucking christian bale as a kid and not only just see christian bale as a kid christian bale as a kid Give a fucking Christian Bale performance. Yeah, that's that's a serious Christian Bale performance. And he's is. so young, and you you're like, yeah, this guy. You see that he's gonna be a star from that movie. You really you really do. You see that he had it in him really early. I I really like Empire of the Sun. It has this like really, it's not this big blockbuster movie. It's a yeah. really personal story, mm-hmm. but uh, it works. It works really well. There's great characters in it. Yeah, and I feel like those films. He directed, like, a lot of the critics uh, critiqued them a lot, but I feel like they needed to be made for Spielberg because it taught him not only how to handle different stories, but to lead up to, in my opinion, his most personal story, Schindler's List. Yeah, I feel like if he didn't direct The Color Purple or Empire of the Sun... You You're know. right. You see the progression in this guy's life. When I'm I'm looking here, you know, a list of the filmography in order, you see 85, he does Color Purple, 87's mm-hmm. Empire of the Sun. And, yeah. and he's still doing an indie in between yeah, there. Yeah, Last Crusade. You know what I mean? And, and he's doing big movies like Hook, whatever. Like, yeah. But he's he's developing that in between. He's developing this personal filmmaking style that I think it peaks at Schindler's List, really shows Absolutely. that. Absolutely. He's come into his own, and he could make more than just blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Another thing I noticed too, um, which they cover as well in the doc. Another thing that I wish they covered a little bit more on is his patriotism. He yeah. talks about how he's very much patriot. Like I could see that. Tom Hanks in these films, Saving Private Ryan's one of them. Uh, was he in the Post? Yeah, he was in the Post. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, Bridge of Spies. A lot of these films are very much like American, like. They feel like American stories. Yeah, yeah. Real American stories. But you didn't get that from the 70s and 80s from Spielberg. I feel like it was more of the late 90s that you got that post-Schindler's List that you really saw Spielberg go for that direction. And it worked. Yeah. It worked very well. Band of Brothers, man. Like, that's a a thing that him and Tom Hanks worked on. And, like, I, I, I haven't seen the whole show, but it gives off that vibe of, like, you know, handling it pretty well, all things considered. And it's not like he's... He, he isn't political because he did direct Munich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a very, like, intense subject matter, matter to handle. I remember reading that premise. I'm like, wait, Spielberg directed this? What a fucking unique filmography this guy has. Sometimes I... 
scratch I scratch my head looking at this list sometimes and I'm like he did that like I didn't even know like he wow he's just been working 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 like mm-hmm. it's unbelievable all the genres he's touched and all the different tones that he's he's tried yeah I know neither of us have seen all of his films no not but even I, close I do want to cover one ground thing and see where we stand on it what is your least favorite Steven Spielberg film my least favorite that I've seen because I have mine. Do you have yours? More. Can you say yours while I look through this? Quick? It's a recent one. It's Ready Player One. I don't fucking Ooh. get. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a <laughs> shit film. I cut. You know why? Because the book it was based on is not a good book either. It's basically like what if what if uh, properties were like all together in the yeah. video game world, and it's just like I get it. Why Spielberg did it? Because a lot of the stuff he worked on. You know, he he helped a lot of creators and stuff. So it's like, oh, let's bring it all together. But it, it seems so glossy, and there's very few scenes that feel like they were directed by Spielberg because it's, a lot of it is just the CGI sequence. It's a CGI fest, right? Yeah, kind of kind of sad to see that. But um, I don't know what I'm gonna say here. Uh, that I've seen my least favorite. Least favorite. I know it's a tough one. It's it is a tough one because I I I feel like the ones I've seen are mostly the you know the big blockbuster ones. Right. Can I say hook? <laughs> Don't say hook. <laughs> hey yo, one thing about this doc that I was a little bit cheesed at is they didn't mention hook once. You want to know why? Because Spielberg hates it. Yeah. He yeah. hates it. I'm like, what? Why do you hate it? I read the interview where it's just like, I would have done a lot of things differently with Hook. I would have not used matte paintings. I would have used CG. I was like, no, you wouldn't. What's the critical reviews? It's upon? shit. They, it's, they, it's they gave really it a shit bad. rating. Yeah. It's like what? Six. Yeah, IMDb, 6.8 out of 10, 29% Rotten 29% Tomatoes. for Hook, guys? Bro, you gave I mean, Crystal Skull a higher a fucking, rating. It's a fucking gave, cool cast. You gave Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a higher rating. That is not... Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams. Yeah, it's a fucking great cast. It's amazing. Oh, I then yeah, you know what? I've seen C- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so there, there's my, there's yeah. my, there it is right yeah. there, there it is right there. That uh, yeah, that's you know that you know that one. film's not going to be as good as the others when the behind the scenes Spielberg starts off with, yeah, I'm done with the series, I'm done. <laughs> it was great, and then Luke George was like, no, we got to keep on going. It's like, all right, fine. Yeah, it's like you should not be making a film with that attitude. The all right, fine attitude. It, like films are so hard to make, and you have to devote so much time and effort, mm-hmm. and just jump through so many hoops that it's like, if your attitude is just all right, fine. It's going to be bad. And the film, and nothing against Spielberg, like you said, he has matured from Last Crusade to Crystal Skull. And you can tell in many ways because, you know, you go to Crystal Skull and you go to Temple of Doom, like he's like beating the shit. He's killing people. Yeah. And in like Crystal Skull, it's like, oh, he's saving the monkeys. I oh. think, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. He's, he's saving the CGI monkeys. Look at Mutt Williams. He's, he's Tarzan. And it's like, I get it's goofy, but... Yeah, I don't know. I I can I can live without seeing it again. Yeah, I'm gonna have to <laughs> agree with you. It's cool. Yeah, it, it's cool that like Spielberg himself has almost gone through this character arc. Yeah, and it shows through his films. And I think uh, that's that's a really cool thing when you can like kind of point out where he starts to change his approach. And he just got a really cool filmography that I think tells his life story. Mm-hmm. It's so cool seeing him as like the young guy of the 70s so he's like with scorsese de palma coppola yeah Lucas. And, and he's like sneaking onto the universal set 
And yeah. like the the legend is that he like takes an office in Universal with nobody knowing, which and nobody asks him any questions. Yeah, I'm sure that happened. I'm sure that happened. But yeah. do I believe that he was trying to get on the Universal set as oh, much yeah. as he could, and and he was sneaking around and looking at stuff that he shouldn't have looked at? Yeah, he probably was. Yeah, Tarantino looked through a phone book to like interview a director for like oh. yeah, and he actually got the interview when he was 19. Because it was that easy to just contact someone. He's like, are you the director of uh, Rolling Thunder? And he's like, yeah. He's like, can I interview for a paper for my school? And he's like, yeah, sure. That's Come insane. By. And he gave him a drink and shit. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you whatever. Different times. Different yeah. times where you could everybody's kind of just like minded their own business. Right. And there's not like that much like security. So you could like do stuff like that. Yeah, Spielberg right? can do that. But when I do it, I get arrested. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no I'm, I'm told never to come back again. No, no fucking fun. Sure. <laughs> He was on a Hitchcock set. That's hilarious. And they're like, who the fuck's this kid? Yeah. Get him got, out of here. He like, kicked out of what a Hitchcock. trying to do? <laughs> That's so funny. Young Spielberg. Like, I would just love to see that. Like, yeah. him run around to these sets and stuff. Uh, let's talk about Fablemans real quick. Yes. I haven't seen it. Unfortunately, I wanted to watch it before this episode really mm. bad because I know it's like this combination, this like combination story. And it's yep. like his most personal, like, mm-hmm. about his real experience, like falling in love with film and all that. Yeah. You had high praise of Fablemans yes. when it came out. Uh, tell me about it. It's, it's my favorite Spielberg film. Uh, wow. I Yeah. It, it used to be Schindler's List, but this one, you know what? I could see myself watching this more. Because mm-hmm. with Schindler's List, it's such a hard subject matter to, like, like ah, oh, man. I, I, like, I saw it once, and I feel like that's more than enough for me. Fablemans, I could see that and be inspired by film every single time. Even when I'm at my lowest point, I'm like, you know what? Nah. There's yeah. always... Because if you've seen the Spielberg doc... He talks about his family a lot. He talks about how his uh, mom was having an affair with another person. Yes. His dad was going through a lot of uh, work, you know, related things here and there. His sisters were also going through it as well. Fablemans covers that. It's very much like the documentary turned into the movie mm-hmm. about his life, which I really, really enjoyed. I feel like Paul Dano and Michelle Williams play Spielberg's parents very, very well, even though they're not technically Spielberg's. They're right. Called, they're called the Fablemans. Um, but there is a lot of that in the movie and it covers it very, very well. I would say, um, it isn't a happy, happy ending, which I like. Uh, I love the final shot in the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah, don't spoil there's it, a lot that's of one I'm going to watch very soon. Yeah. Very emotional. Um, yeah, it's Spielberg's most personal film, uh, since Schindler's List, which, you know, at his age, I think it's very nice of him to like do something this like deep cut and uh yeah it's just an overall good time i uh, the movie when i was watching i was i was just thinking of his other films while watching it like raiders and stuff like that where it's like it has that like nice adventurous feeling while also it just being about a kid set in the 50s yeah you know so i would i would highly recommend that i haven't seen west side story i haven't seen i didn't check that out either lincoln warhorse i'm not a huge fan of like the concept of those like oh wow abraham lincoln biopic biopics yeah i oh, mean wow. biopics are really i mean it's daniel day lewis so like i i it's probably he's probably a crazy fucking performance yeah. i haven't seen it either uh, the clips i have seen of it it looks like daniel day lewis is fucking killing it mm-hmm. like he always does oh yeah but um yeah maybe eventually i'll check that one out yeah that, that's one I'll probably look at just, just for think, uh, I think another underrated Spielberg film I just noticed was uh, Adventures of Tintin. That was him handling. Uh-huh. I saw capture. that when I was, when I must have seen that in 2011 when I was yeah. young. 
that was a Peter Jackson Spielberg collab. They uh-huh. wanted to do Tintin, but the deal was Spielberg was like, "All right, I'll direct the first one, and Peter, you'll direct the sequel." It's been twelve years. <laughs> the balls yeah. in Peter's court, eh? Balls in Peter's court. <laughs> he has not made one since. He's like, "No, no, I'm gonna make a uh, Beatles doc. Yeah. I'm gonna make a doc set in World War One." And Spielberg's like, "Dude, man, like, it's gonna be twenty years until you make this fucking movie." But it took a while for that film to get made, too. So, understandably, you know. Can we do uh, Spielberg's best film of every decade? Sure. Let's go. We're going 70s? We start with 70s. All right. What's yours? It's Jaws. Jaws. It's Jaws. Jaws is such a fucking important movie. I a lot of people A lot of people would go should. Close Encounters, too. I know. People love Close Encounters. I just haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Uh, I really do want to see it. But Jaws is a really special movie. That's good. Um, okay, 80s. This is going to be a hot take for me, but... Uh, you got a hot take here? What's what's yours? What's yours in the 80s? I mean, Raiders is my favorite indie. I got to go Raiders, but I know that you like... Uh, what? You like Last Last Crusade. Yeah, it's Last Crusade. You it's, like Last Crusade. Last Crusade's the best one. Yeah. I, I say that because it just... It, it, to me, it works so well. Yeah. The, the, somebody even commented on like the flashbacks where it's like Indy as a kid. And it's just like, you know what's crazy? It's like... In that whole scene, you find out who Indy is, how he got the scar, how he's afraid of snakes, all that shit, how he gets his hat. It's like, it's done so well that when you see like Solo, a Han Solo movie or whatever, when they do the same shit, it's so bad. Yeah. And that's because Spielberg actually knows how to handle the scene like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> as corny as it is, because it is a corny scene. It's like, oh wow, he's at the, <laughs> he's fighting with the lion with the whip, you know? Right. It's like, yeah. <laughs> if if any other director handled it, it would have been so much more corny. That's, that's the franchise, right? Like yeah. Indiana Jones is supposed to be over the top and yeah. corny. The, these, the original trilogy is good mm-hmm. because it has these really clever and personable moments in mm-hmm. between. Right. I just, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I don't know, the tone just worked so much better because it didn't take itself too seriously versus when Crystal Skull came out and re-watching it again, it's like, yeah, there are those goofy moments, but man, they cranked it to 11. Mm-hmm. I feel like you needed to have that balance of goofiness and also drama. Yeah. I just felt like the drama kind of faded away in the second half of that movie. You're right. So, I don't know. Um, we're going into 90s, I guess. We're going into 90s. This is a big decade for Steven Spielberg. It's a transitional period for Spielberg, I would say. Yeah, it this, really is. This one. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Jurassic Park sandwich list, Saving Private Ryan, which I love. Saving Private Ryan's really good. I think that was Vin Diesel's first big role. Does Fast and Furious ever happen without Saving Private Ryan? Is Steven Spielberg responsible for Vin Diesel's career? Yeah. Did he create a monster? He probably did. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah. He also was executive producer for the Transformers films. What are you What are you gonna do? Right. Like, he He was so he was responsible for a lot of films. He was responsible for Gremlins, Back to the Future. Yeah. That's he crazy. He produced those films. He didn't direct them. A lot of people thought he did. Because his name was like bigger than the fucking directors on those. Yeah, that's an interesting thing too that happened, right? Spielberg's name. Yeah. I mean, we kind of mentioned that like it, it, we were talking about how like Spielberg's name is like that name, like oh, if you, you want to make movies, oh, you want to be the next Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And that's because his name was so big that yeah. they were putting his name on shit that he kind of helped with. He kind of helped with. It's like Gremlins was directed by Joe Dante. But it says Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. It's like just crazy. What? He like okay. I 
Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future. No, it's a Robert Zemeckis film. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, good directors in their own right. Like, Yeah, exactly. Getting, it's, it's crazy to me. They have a good lineup too yeah. as filmmakers. So I get why they did it because as they said, like post Jaws, it's like, dude, imagine if Jaws flopped. Yeah. That was the breaking point for a lot of people because they're like, all right, Steven, you're over budget. You said you were going to shoot this in 55 days. It's been it's day one twenty. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna kill you if this film flops and then it becomes the highest grossing film of all time. He's twenty nine years old. Isn't that crazy? I just I. Then What's they were, going through his head at that time? That's crazy, man. I don't think Steven Spielberg likes having breaks. Mm-hmm. Judging by not only his credits as a director but credits on other things and just like his personal life, it's like. This guy just wants to do like nine things at the same time. Yeah. And he's completely fine with it. I saw this fucking heartbreaking interview of his where he's they're asking him about future movies and future projects. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just running out of time. Yeah. Scorsese said the same thing too. Yeah. He brought up Kurosawa. Yeah. It's at that point where I think Kurosawa, late 70s, they're also in their yeah. late 70s. I think that whole generation is just kind of like, you know, they still have the passion to make movies, but. Yeah, oh, that fucking breaks my heart. Why can't, why can't Scorsese and and fucking and Spielberg live forever? How you do know? you think they felt when like, what was it? Lucas and Spielberg were giving the honorary award to Kurosawa on his like eighty fifth, eighty sixth birthday. Yeah. It's like Kurosawa, he didn't have. That's crazy. And even in that interview, Kurosawa was like, "I'm still, I'm still learning a lot at that point." And Scorsese's like, "Now I, now I really know how that feels at at my age, where it's just like I want to do more, but it's just like." You can only learn so much at a certain point, and then you hit, you hit a point. What a special era! I mean, yeah. we're we're really lucky that we caught the tail end of this era, like the, of these legendary '70s directors, mm-hmm. and that a lot of them are still making great films. The like, one thing so. I the one thing I hope to see is younger directors, which I feel like we covered a lot on A twenty four, like the Safdie brothers, yeah, Ari Aster, Robert Eggers. Yeah, Greg it's Gerwig. not like only good directors yeah. were in the seventies yeah. and now they're they're dying off. No, like, yeah. they're still fantastic directors. Yeah, I just I I hope like when we get older, like those directors become like the next round table. Yeah, and we remember their first yeah. films on A twenty four, and yeah. we remember when you know Good Time came out or yeah. whatever. It, that's that's true i hope that we could we could feel like they feel yeah because although the the style has changed although the filmmaking has changed uh, the passion has not no you're 100 it's, right. it's been like that since day one so looking at steven spielberg's work and how many people he's helped make films and shows in and of itself is is an amazing thing and uh yeah he's gonna be uh he's gonna be remembered as one of the greats i mean he that's is one of the greats so you know Let's quickly, we got off track, but let's quickly finish. 90s, what's your pick? Oh, Schindler's List. Schindler's List. That's the best one, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say Schindler's List, too. 2000s, I'm curious what you think. 2000s? Fuck. Yeah, man. He's got some some pretty good movies in the 2000s. I'm going to say Catch Me If You Can. I like Catch Me If You Can. I was going to say Minority Report, but then I realized Catch Me If You Can came out the same decade, so I'm going to pick it's that one, too. Not only the same year. Bro, what the fuck? 2002. This motherfucker Spielberg just works, bro. Imagine directing two films in the same year. He's a workhorse, this guy. What about the 2010s? What do you got for 2010s? 2010s, 2010s. Man, I, to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of these, but um, 
I mean, Fablemans is probably the best film. Oh, sorry, 2010. So yeah. Came out in 2022. <laughs> Fablemans was tricky. my favorite of the 2020s. Of the 2020s, 2010s, yeah. 2010s is a weird one for Spielberg, huh? I think Tintin. Tintin? Yeah, Tintin had some charm to it for sure. And to be fair, I haven't seen the rest of these, so I guess I have to say Tintin for now. Fair enough. And your next one is, is Fablemans for the 2020s for sure. That is my favorite Spielberg film. It's his most personal. It hit me so hard. And uh, yeah, I'm going to, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. You should. Yeah, 4K Blu-ray. Woo! We should, maybe I'll watch it here with you then. Yeah, of okay, course. That'd be I, great. I mean, I'm going to try not to be a train wreck watching it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you for watching this episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Don't forget to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. We'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Brush your hair. Peace out. Peace.